My husband Steve is a history buff. I am not. Steve reads books about the Korean and the Vietnam Wars. The book he's reading right now is about the year 1861, and I had to ask him what happened in 1861. He can tell you who the major players were in the world wars, why they were started, when they started, when they ended. I know none of that. And when there's jeopardy on, and Steve can answer those obscure, weird history questions, and I say, how did you know that? And he'll say, everybody knows that. I'm like, no, no, we don't. We don't know all of that. I was none too thrilled to find out that I had to take not one, but two classes in Christian history when I was in seminary. Old guys, dates, who fought with whom, Blech. not for me. But there was one aspect of Christian history that I was really looking forward to reading about. I wanted to read for when, at the very beginning, the church was unified, and we had one Christian church, and everybody agreed with everybody else. That didn't happen. That's not how the church started. The disciples disagreed with each other. Peter disagreed with Paul. Paul disagreed with other missionaries that were going around and preaching different than he was. We even had meetings among church leadership early on to settle disputes that were coming up. There really never was a single unified church. Our scripture this morning tells us some of the things that we have in common as Christians. One body, one spirit, one hope. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God, Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in all. As Christians, I think we can agree on the one spirit, one Lord, one God part. But do we really agree on the one body, one faith, one baptism, one hope part? What can we agree on? For our scripture today, I want us to look at three classic Bible study questions. What does this passage tell us about God? What does it tell us about human beings? And what does it tell us about the relationship between God and human beings? So what does this passage tell us about God? One God, Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in all. One God for all. One God that is through all, in all, with all. One God, creator who created all human beings. One God, one creator who created all human beings and is with every person, in every person, through every person. One God who, who loves all that God creates. So God loves all human beings whom God created. God loves every person here, every person out there. That tells me that when I look at another person, I can see God's love in them. It means when I look at each of you, I can see God's love in you. And it means that every person that I pass in my daily life, I can see God's love in them. There are a few videos that have circulated on the internet in the past year that I find really, really interesting, and they all have a couple of things in common. 
they have a waiter or a waitress who are at work at the restaurant and it's a very busy time. A lot of customers are there. And there are customers in each video who each have a physical disability or issue. In one, we have a gentleman who is, who is elderly who says, my hands just don't work the way they used to. So he was going to be unable to cut his meat. And it shows a waitress who took time out of her busyness to cut the man's meat so he could eat. And in another one, we see a woman who suffers from something that's causing tremors, and she's having difficulty getting the fork or the spoon up to her mouth. And so the waiter, in the midst of his busyness, sits down at her table with her and feeds her. What we see are human beings helping human beings. Possibly different socioeconomic statuses, possibly different backgrounds. Maybe they don't even know each other. Maybe they don't even know each other's names. But one person takes time out of their busyness to help another person. And we can see in that someone seeing something that God can see. Another person's value, another person's worth, how deeply loved that person is, and how that person is worth taking a moment of time, giving a little bit of attention in the middle of a very busy day. We have one God who loves all people, whose love is in all people, so that we can see the love of God in each person that we interact with every day. What does this passage tell us about human beings? It says that we are to make every effort to maintain unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Well, now, why did the author say that? Why did the author say, make an effort to maintain unity unless the church was having trouble with that? And why did the author mention humility and gentleness and bearing one another in love unless the church was having a problem with that? We can infer from this passage the human condition to division instead of unity, the human condition to jockeying for position rather than being humble, and the human condition to put others down rather than to lift others up. We can see a human condition that we classify and categorize ourselves. Actually, what we do is we classify and we categorize other people based on the standard we see in ourselves. There was a documentary that I saw one time that, that still sticks with me. In it, we see a high school teacher, high school science teacher, and a class of students. And they're learning about DNA. They're learning about what DNA is. And so the experiment is going to be that each student is going to give a little bit of their DNA. They're going to send it off for testing, and they're going to see comparisons of the DNA between the students. Now, before the testing is done, the teacher asks the students, who do you think will have the DNA that has the most in common amongst yourselves? Every student in the room, the first thing they said was is that the two African-American students, one boy and one girl, were going to have the most in common. And then they decided that the one Asian student was going to have the least in common with everybody else. And then there's a discussion about with the Caucasians, who's going to have the most in common? Is it a hair color, eye color, 
body structure? What, what is it that's going to be in common? Well, when the results come in, everyone is shocked that the two African-American students have more in common with the Caucasian students than with each other. And that the Asian student has more in common than they thought with everybody in the room. In a study released in 2002, they did a DNA survey. 99.9% .9 of human DNA is exactly the same. 0.1% is what differentiates us. That means I have 99.9% .9 in common with Gene. 99.9% .9 in common with Candy. I have 99.9% .9 in common with whoever was driving that loud thing that went by. We have way more in common than we have differences. And yet the human condition is to divide and class and classify and categorize each other. The scripture says to make every effort to maintain unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. It says make every effort. It takes effort to have unity. I think all of us know that because it takes effort in every relationship we have. Be it with family members, spouses, friends, neighbors, co-workers. It takes effort. It takes effort to be in relationship. So doesn't it make sense that it would take effort to have unity within the family of faith? What does it look like to make that effort? Well, let's go back to what we were talking about before. What is one thing we all have in common? God's love within us. If we start with a motivation of love, then that's where our effort can come from. Maintain unity starting with a place of love. Just imagine if every single person on this planet, everywhere, all started from a point of love. Imagine if every single person looked at every other person first and saw God loves them. Imagine if each person in this room could look at every person you experience today and start with God loves them. Just imagine what that could be. Make every effort to maintain unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. I think a good place to start is, is with what God's already given us and is in us. Start with that love and see someone else the way God sees them. Valued, worthy, deeply loved, worth a moment of my time. The third question we want to ask is, what does this passage tell us about the relationship between God and human beings? God calls us to be in relationship not just with God, but with each other. That's what this passage is talking about, being in relationship with one another. God calls us, we know that we are, we are called to be in relationship with God. We understand that part. But God also tells us to be in relationship with each other, with gentleness and with humility and bearing one another in love and to strive for that unity, to make that effort of unity. We had a delightful conversation over potluck last week that I want to share with you. A few weeks ago, I shared with you that the area churches are coming together to put on a faith and family weekend, a type of revival, where we're going to have it over at the stadium and, and have a type of revival experience. Well, they've named it Harvest 2018. 
And so we were talking about it over potluck because I wanted to gauge the congregation's reaction to, should we support this financially? Should we put some money into this to help pull off this event? Or should we at least put money in to pay for some of the, the meals that are going to be offered, to pay for some people who are going to come um, to this event and be able to be fed? And so I lifted up that question. And one person raised the question, are we going to agree with everything that is said on that stage? That led to a conversation about differences, about differences in beliefs, differences in denominations, differences in the way we see things. But then that conversation led to a conversation about unity. It led to a conversation about unity. None of the printed materials about this event is going to list the church's names. There's not going to be banners set up at the event listing the church's names. The church's names are only going to show up in a context of follow-up. So that someone who comes and says, I am ready to have a life with Christ, we can say, why don't you try this church? We invite you to come to this church. It's going to be more about bringing people to particular churches as a follow-up, not advertising who's sponsoring the event. And the reason that is, is because we want the center focus to be Jesus Christ. We want the center focus to be, how do I have a life with Jesus in my life? What does that look like? And so the churches, it's going to say community area churches present Harvest 2018. And that's the focus, is this sense of unity. God calls us to be in relationship with each other and with God, with Jesus as the common factor in the middle. God calls us to be in relationship with each other through the love of God in Jesus Christ. God calls us to be in relationship with God and with each other through the sacrifice Jesus Christ made for all humankind. All humankind. God calls us to love each other through that sacrifice of Jesus Christ for all humankind. Today's hymn, One Bread, One Body, was written by John Foley in 1978. He is a Jesuit. Now, the Jesuits are a scholarly, scholastic organization within the Catholic Church. It's a Catholic hymn. When you look at it, it talks about one bread, and it talks about one cup that we blessed. Yes, it is a hymn for communion. John Foley is what we call a liturgist. He's very interested in introducing new and relevant words into worship. That's what liturgy is. It's the words that we use in worship. And he's very interested in bringing those in with new and relevant words. But One Bread, One Body is not strictly a communion hymn. When you look at it, the depth and breadth of it is about one body. It's about one body of Christ that can overarch all of those denominations, all of our differences. Yes, this is a United Methodist Church. Yes, everyone in here is a Protestant. But more than that, we are all Christians. And as Christians, we recognize that we have one Lord. We recognize one body, one spirit, one Lord, one hope, one faith, one baptism, one God. That's what we recognize. And what we recognize is that we're not alone in this. We're not alone in this. We are with others. One body, one bread, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. God calls us to love each other as God does. God calls us to be in relationship with each other in the body of Christ. 
Yes, we are believers and we are together in that. But as believers, we are also the conduit of God's love and grace out into the world. The love that we have, we share abundantly, hopefully, joyfully. We want others to have what we experience here. God wants us to be in in relationship with God. God wants us to experience the life in Jesus Christ. So God wants the believers to share Jesus Christ with others so that they will know this. So let's play our part in the one body. Let's put unity above of difference. Let's put the love of God above human agenda. Let's proclaim the love of God for all people. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.